Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only live from the bathroom podcast. I am. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual, and that's a little bit of an inside joke. That uh, yeah, we can get into it a bit. Um, yeah. I, I I debated before I started. We started recording here whether we should uh, whether I should go with that or ask you what the open should be. Um, but nothing's really stood out as being too ridiculously dumb this week that I can remember at least. That, no. Uh, that we had to talk about until. I believe this morning you shared yes. a post on Facebook because of your uh, weekly appearance on CTV Morning Live in Saskatoon to discuss yes. uh, all things CFL and the Saskatchewan Roughriders. And um, the screenshot and your background <laughs> was different because, of course, as we talked about on, on our fine program last week, uh, your computer is basically dead, RIP. Yep. And yep. so you are no longer in your office in the basement but there was some question as to where you were now recording because what was behind you looked a lot like a shower curtain. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Okay, so to, to set the record straight, I was recording in Maya's room. It was this morning. Uh, normally, we're supposed to record these at 7.45, so it's a little bit. Everybody's still kind of sleeping around 7.45. I can get up. I can come down to the office. I can record it. I've got the office set up. I got to show off my fantasy football trophies, right? But like last minute, eight twenty, I'm like, "Hey, Connor's still sleeping, so I can't use my bedroom. He'd fallen asleep there. I can't use the boys' rooms because you know there's Sonic the Hedgehog posters everywhere." I'm like, "Oh, I'll just go into Maya's room. It's got the comfy recliner. This will work well. I can prop my phone up on the bookshelf." I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, oh, wow, that went that went well. That worked in a pinch. Internet connection was strong. Had a good time talking with my friend Blair. And yes, watch for you truly every week. And then I see the screenshot. 
<laughs> then I shared a screenshot to Facebook. And then you point out how much it looks like I'm in the bathroom, which would be surprisingly <laughs> on brand for me. Like, because like her changing, Maya's changing table is off to my right and it's white. And then, yes, the blackout curtains in that room do kind of look like shower curtains. And I kind of put it all together and went, huh. It does kind of look like I was taking a poop, right? I was a little sweaty and shiny from like, running around, getting the kids ready. Maya's room is typically warmer than the rest of the room is in the house. Uh, she was downstairs with Lacey. Like, it was just, it was the perfect storm that instead of my pre-planned background that makes me look like I'm an insider with two R's, uh, it looked like I was taking a poop and talking to Blair on CTV. So that is uh, a memorable moment, which also, uh, I'm glad that the segment ended when it did because no more than about <laughs> three minutes later... As I'm just, like, getting everything ready to go, putting my phone in my pocket, Connor wakes up, and the first thing he looks at me is, Daddy, I have to poop, which, knowing Connor, he would have said regardless. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I promise uh, our IT guy at work says maybe episode two, I won't look like I'm taking a dump. I will instead look like I'm in my relatively well-decorated office. I mean, unless you have the lettuce the night before, then all bets are uh, off. Okay, for the record, I have even started. Like, <laughs> now that we have a consistent record night, yeah, I even I even make sure. I'm is like, there a no subway on Sunday rules now? Is is that like a thing? Sunday, I don't have to worry about, but it's 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 the lunch. There's a lot of mm. days that, like, let's face it, Monday's the kind of day. You might not have many leftovers left in the fridge. I love spicy food. I mean, for our for the purposes of our show, if you're in the bathroom, no one would really know. I'm thinking more of your CT morning, CTV morning live appearances, quite frankly. Right. No, no, no. That's a brilliant point. Yeah. So definitely no lettuce. Definitely no Subway on Sundays. Uh, probably no KFC either. Mary Brown's is weirdly safe. But uh, yeah. Does that count as a lettuce update? Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. I don't know. We have yeah. this great new uh, sound bit that uh, your buddy Graham made for us, and we haven't been able to use it yet because I mean I don't want to force it. I want it. I want it to you know kind of come naturally, like after you eat some Subway lettuce. <laughs> I don't think there's anything natural about that. Gas. <laughs> uh, it's funny both calling you your nickname and saying there's nothing natural about that gas could be taken. <laughs> <laughs> Many different ways, all because apparently my house looks like a funky bathroom. Yeah. I, okay, I you could tell. I, 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 I thought to myself as I said that, I'm like, Joel's going to try transition out of funky bathroom, and this is the first time I've ever stumped you. No, I, I wasn't really thinking of transitioning just yet. I was, I was, I don't know, really know where I was going with it. <laughs> well, just, where can you where can you go when your co-host talks about his funky bathrooms? I don't I I don't know. I mean, you do have I mean, your bath your bathroom downstairs is kind of funky, so I mean. Yeah, with the two light switches and uh at least it has a ceiling and a door now though. <laughs> doors doors an important factor in a bathroom, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Until we, the, <laughs> until we got the trim put up though, like it was just like you never saw it when it no. was just you know, you don't have the trim piece and you can definitely you've got that narrow slit between like the frame of the door and the rest of the wall where somebody come, comes downstairs, they're going to know what you're doing. Hmm. So you basically had a bathroom stall before. Uh, essentially, yes. So it's a good thing that you didn't make it up to visit before that for, you know, you and I having having the bromance that we do, you know, we're very close, but I don't know if I could look at you the same or talk to you the same if I ever, like, saw your poop face. <laughs> it's all I'd be able to think about, right? Uh, yeah man's soul at that point yeah 
officially the most off the rails we've ever gone in four years of this thing yeah it's uh, yeah at least number two all time <laughs> I just about spit out my beer. <laughs> i'm glad i wasn't drinking vodka I mean, oh my nose would hurt so bad if i did that oh god <laughs> um we do have some football to talk about this week as, we're just uh... so used to not talking about football <laughs> that this is where we go now yeah, it pretty oh, much God. is. I'm still actually kind of amazed, um, just to kind of go back a bit, I guess, from the top, just off the open, that I'm still battling a bit of a cold, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through the welcome without coughing or something, but... Uh, yeah, that was a good I, welcome, too. I, I did it. I was I was quite quite surprised. But yeah, uh, so, too. I guess uh, maybe a bit of a surprise for some people, the way the Riders played this week. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, there it is. They beat down the Hamilton Ticats at the end of the day. Took a little while to get there, so uh, we will talk about that game a little bit. Uh, kind of what we liked, maybe what we didn't like. And uh, we'll also talk about uh, who was and wasn't there at that game. And maybe some of the reasons why behind that. And, uh, of course, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that our boy, Sergio. Kicker of the league, three for three. Went three for three in his Edmonton Elks debut. And... Uh, Based on what we saw out of Edmonton, I think there's a pretty good chance that at least after week one that uh, Sergio is uh, the clubhouse leader for uh, the team's MVP vote or MOP vote during the regular season. Which I feel like would finally right the wrongs of last year's Grey Cup, but then it also makes me wonder, if things continue to suck in Winnipeg, do we get Sergio in Bomber? Like, I'm way ahead of myself here, but like, is that a trade deadline move? Do we get the third run of Sergio in Winnipeg? Uh, I would be surprised. I would be surprised. I he probably if he was if he was a free agent maybe, but with him signed for Edmonton for the year and they probably not having much else, he might be kind of their guy for the year. I would think. Right, that's that's fair. But with how bad they've looked, you know, it's kind of got some like I don't know. I look at Edmonton and. If I'm a CFL team, if I'm any CFL team, am I heading to the playoffs? I am getting last year's Grey Cup MOP on my roster, or should have been last year's Grey Cup MOP, because let's face it, he, they don't win that game without him. No, they don't. And, and most people, even one Dustin Nilsson, has pretty much accepted that. So, Which, which when a mainstream media guy who does play-by-play for the league comes on board that train, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Uh, of course, other trains, we are certainly, you know... Four around here is beer. And uh, yes. so before we get into everything out of that really smooth transition, uh, what is in the glass this week, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company? Uh, I'm not going to discuss the beer I have in my glass for it's been a busy week. It's industrial and crappy. But what I will discuss, and you know what happens when I buy this product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got provincial vodka. Ah, uh, yes. So it's going to go down real smooth. I could get spicy as this episode goes on. So you could, uh, as wow. I that would be a first. <laughs> I'm normally so calm and rational. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, uh, similar Lucky Bastard, uh, locally made vodka. My only criticism of it, and I've had this conversation with you, it's too mm-hmm. smooth. Yeah, this product is too good, goddammit. Well, that's, that's it. Like, it's almost <laughs> like, I, I, call me weird, but like, I'm at an age now, and I feel like it just happens when you turn 30 or become a dad where I like the taste of booze. 
I like yeah. I I like tasting my whiskeys, my scotch, my vodkas. I like the taste of it, right? So I'm not a complete maniac. I'm not everybody on every TV show drinking warm booze out of a glass conveniently in somebody's office. You know, I like, as I've discussed, a little lemon, some water, a couple shots of vodka on ice. That's my go-to. Problem is, when you do that with Provincial, you don't taste it. Next thing you know, you've drank a significant amount, and it's a work night. And I'm hoping my boss, as I say that, I'm hoping my boss man doesn't listen to me. See, I'm off tomorrow for a golf tournament. But, uh, yeah, it is dangerously smooth, uh, fresh, uh, now actually lower priced than most over at Sobey's Liquor. So this is, to me, is the perfect one for making cocktails, for, you know, you like you like a Caesar. You don't want that vodka e punch in the mouth. You can put the, the two shots, which, by the way, a Caesar is supposed to be made with two shots. Put that in there without getting punched in the face. Uh, yeah, it's it's smooth. It's local. I love it. It's cheap at Sobey's Liquor. So, uh, Budmo. Uh, for me, uh, also cheap, at least this week at Sobey's Liquor, is the Blackbridge uh, Mixer Pack. It's only Ooh, on for eighteen nice. ninety nine for eight beers. So I got the uh, Blackbridge Wheat Burst, which is, of and course, sort of the base where they've had the Pineapple Wheat Burst and some other versions of it yep. come out over the years. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, nice, refreshing, a little bit of bitter, but not super bitter, but just uh, overall, you know, kind of a little bit of a bite to it, but not overly bitey, but still uh, just uh, delicious to put down your face hole, as, as, as you like to say. <laughs> uh, that is one that's, again, it's like, I, I love that one because that's, that's kind of the beer that you, you give to people that want to start exploring craft and, and, and want to know what something's like, so it's just not a hot blast in their face, but has some of those. Uh, those tastes. I, I am looking forward. If I had time tonight, I was going to go get the latest Blackbridge dad joke. The stakes are high. You sent that to me, and mm. yeah, I it's probably that. not quite on store shelves yet. But uh, other unless you happen to be in Swift Current at the right. brewery, but I think uh, yeah, it'll be uh, probably later this week if you're listening on Tuesday or Wednesday when we release this late Monday night. Yeah, that's probably right. where you'll find it. Yeah. Which, which I got to tease on CTV, so maybe there are people waiting with eager anticipation for the uh, for us to finish recording this. Potentially, but probably I mean, not. Other, other than, you know, like my mom and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> apparently a guy I work I used to work with who has moved on to a different store within the company. Mm. Because a few people, there's a, there are a few people we both found out during our sort of unplanned hiatus of a couple weeks that uh, we're asking where the hell we were, so... Yeah, which is oh, and uh, oh god, and and this is the worst. I always feel so bad about this because I am mm-hmm. I'm genuinely, absolutely flattered, and I love it when people come up and say they love what we do because uh, again, ninety nine percent of my motivation for doing this is just to have an excuse to kind of get a warm buzz on on a Monday night in my basement and hang out with you. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the name wrong, so I'm not even gonna try. Had a fan come up in the uh, lineup uh, at uh, kid drop off at school the other day. Uh, said hello, shook my hand. Uh, I, uh, remind me of your name next time I see you at the kid drop off line. You drove a black Dodge Caravan. You were a super nice guy. We chatted for a bit in the rain. Uh, thank you so much for coming up and and saying hello. I love it uh, and I feel terrible, but I'm like honestly terrible with names. Like there's a reason that. Even doing my job that, you know, you want to talk, you have to talk to people. 
I keep their name in on a piece of paper in front of me and on the computer screen. I'm that bad with names. So don't take it personally. I just suck. True words have never been spoken. John Fraser. Now I got my nose. <laughs> I just suck was the Tourette term, Joel Gasson. Okay, sorry, I missed I took you out of context. <laughs> oh shit. Um, there was some people, I guess, chatting in the rain after the game on uh, Saturday, as uh, it rained a little bit as I was leaving the stadium. And and, uh, and and the Ryder defense didn't suck. No, they did not. They were they were far from suck. They were cool. probably the opposite of suck in every single way, except for the one sort of boom bust McMarshall play that we see per game usually. Um, That's what you're expecting, though. Yeah, and I mean you're going to give up a touchdown at some point. It's the CFL, right? So right. That happens. Um, the important thing is the offense rebounded and they figured it out. But yeah, um, I wrote about it in the piece on 3downnation.com. Um, the good, the bad, and the dumb back for another year, of course. Yes. And because I was like, okay, I was sitting there. I'm like, yeah, the defense was played lights out. Maybe one of the best performances we've seen from a Jason oh. Shiver's defense since he took over for Chris Jones as defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they were so good that I'm just not even really going to write about it. Because quite frankly, y'all know it. Like it, it's, it's it's true. Like everyone watching that game was like, yeah, the defense was good. I don't need to tell you that the defense was good after watching that football game. Like that was that was just a clinical performance quite frankly, at the end of the day. Surgical, clinical, and I have a feeling this will probably be the last year that we see Jason Shivers here. Because there's no way he can't be... You have to be talking about him as a head coach. Like, you have to be. Like, I know that was all the talk when Jason Moss came over here and some of his play calling's been meh, but, like, Shivers has to be a head coach candidate because, yet again, it was, like you said, clinical. It was almost... You know, you know they're good mm-hmm. when you're watching. And I was watching on the PBR. I was uh, at one of my very good friends' weddings. Uh, congratulations, Charles and Ariel, uh, on Saturday night. So with $36 of Burger King that I was putting into my face hole after the wedding, uh, not that the food wasn't great. I was just drunk. Um, I was watching the, the, the game and just like you hit a point that you just knew they were going to do. You knew a force fumble was coming. You knew a sack was coming. You knew that they were just going to make a big play. And wow, look, I mean, we knew this defense was going to be championship caliber good. And in game one, and this is not a Hamilton team that's bad. We're not talking that they they were playing the Elks who we kind of think will be bad. I've just reverse Fraser curse them I'm sure no I don't, they, I don't know if even they could overcome the Fraser curse that's uh, that's impressive that's actually a talent um this is a team that was in the Grey Cup last year this was a team that if it wasn't for Sergio wins the Grey Cup last year mm-hmm. just manhandled just like destroyed dominated like every possible word you could come up with it was so impressive and for the defense to be simultaneously, like, like as we all know what Nick Marshall is, for the defense to not only come up with big plays, explosive plays, turnovers, create those things, but also just be generally solid. Like, you see a lot of Ds that are, you know, really boomer bust. This Ryder D is not that. And holy crap, if they can keep that up, if they can even keep 85% of that up. Hmm. 
I don't know how they're not hosting a game, how they're not hosting a playoff game. Like, that was just ridiculous how good they were. Yeah, and I mean, I think to continue to expect that sort of production all year is probably unrealistic, obviously. Um, right. Given but sort of a regression to the mean at some point, and they're going to have the odd off night or anything like that. And I mean, that's going to happen, and that's fine. But I, I think we've, we've talked about this before, and to me... What remains the most impressive thing about what they've been able to do on defense under sort of the the Jeremy O'Day, Craig Dickinson, Jason Shivers era of defense is it's very plug and play, right? Yes. Like the we we look at you know Ed Ganey and Lucius Purifoy aren't back, um, you know the defensive line names are always changing. Like Micah Johnson's not here this year. Garrett Marino's kind of jumped in there, and there's some other names, you know, Pete Robertson, like these guys that kind of they just find the next one they keep just keep plugging the hole with someone and it just keeps working and so then it's like so the question becomes and we obviously don't know the answer to this yet is it jason shiver's system and the way it works or is this group just good at finding defensive players that either a are that good or b fit the system well or is it some kind of combination of all three which maybe is the correct answer in this situation i would agree with you i think the jeremy o'day era has been very good. I, I'm, I'm talking about the time. I'm, I know he was technically in the front office uh, when Chris Jones was here, but let's face it, that was the Chris Jones show, right? He had a very Since, different role within the front office at the time, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, here's a guy that took over for the took over the team, has done nothing but stock Canadian depth. As you mentioned, like the American scouts are, are, are fantastic finding these guys that fit the system. So I I would be interested to see one without the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to see one without the other. I think it's great for the Rough Riders, but yeah, it, it's 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 a strong front office that knows what they're doing. You've got a guy that that I'm surprised. I I, I think the first vacancy you see this off season, Shiver's name has to be a, uh, attached to it. If it's not, something has gone horribly wrong. But yeah, you're right. They find guys out of nowhere and. I know it's a bit of a running joke, you know, amongst CFL circles that like D, D linemen and American wide receivers are almost a dime a dozen, but they're still finding guys that are just at another level. Like that, like you mentioned, Robertson, that game from him, mm-hmm. two sacks, a forced fumble, like in one game, like that's some guys do that in a season. So I, I think the organization top down is, is very good. I don't want to see either guy leave, but. Yeah, something something is going very right because it's kind of a continuation of what we saw last year. Defense was good last year. They have potential to be great this year. And I know we're kind of gushing over one game, but like I said, they even give an 80%, 85% performance like this the rest of the year. The offense suddenly is just crap. Were for stretches last year, it's Saskatchewan's a tough team to beat. Tough. Yeah, they are. And I mean, you brought up the offense, and I think that's sort of where the question for this team, I'm not going to say lingers a little bit. There was certainly, I think, pa- reason for pause, right? The way that game started. It took about three quarters for the offense to sort of find its groove from whereas, and maybe that's part of just sort of preseason rust after, you know. Cody Fajardo played about a half of a game throughout the first bit, and you know maybe the entire first unit weren't together the entire time, and all that sort of thing. So maybe it took some time to get there. But 
I mean, they got there, and I think through three quarters, you know, a lot of us in the press box were like, oh, boy, here we go again. It's a lot of the same sort of, you know, short throws, you know, uninspired play calling, and, you know, the run game has, you know, regressed a little bit already, and uh, where is this headed? And all of a sudden, it opened up a bit, and, you know, yes, Cody Fajardo hit, you know, Shaq Evans with, a, I believe, a 41-yard pass at one point, and I joked to the Green Zone's Jamie Nye, I was like, because I think he... Yeah, at that point, at, at at the half, Cody Fajardo's longest pass through the air was five yards. So the, not including the yak, so just when the ball was caught, was five yards deep. And then he hit, hit Shaq for that 41-yarder. I'm like, wow, he just like eight times his longest throw of the day. <laughs> um, so clearly that opened up a little bit, but I think really what the actual key was, and maybe if the long ball is kind of going to be you know, off and on and you know maybe not as reliable still for Cody as it was in 2019... <coughs> What really opened up sort of the entire, I think, game for him was, you know, he hit Duke Williams and he started finding guys, maybe not necessarily the 40, 50 yards down the field, but he was hitting those, you know, 15, 20, 25 yarders in the middle of the field. And that was starting to give them just enough space to kind of start doing what they need to do. And I think that's, that was really what kind of got the offense rolling. Well, absolutely, and I, I think that's the Tom Brady, the New England Patriots offense for all those years under Bill Belichick. You look at what Brady in the past would do, a lot of their deep, deep-ish stuff, their medium stuff was never to the outside. It was always down the middle because the logic behind that, the ball doesn't have to travel as far, right? Mm-hmm. It's out of Brady's hand, quicker into a receiver's hand, the defense has less time to react. So it was nice to, to see them just start to do that, but yeah, when you see like a bad lacrosse score for the first half of that game compared to like kind of what we were expecting, what we were hoping to see. It just like, I I thought the same thing. Like I was following along on Twitter. I was watching and seeing that low score, seeing lots of criticism, seeing lots of, you know, calling a five yard out on a second and seven, seeing a lot of that again, I was thinking, Oh boy. Here we go. Like, we're going to waste a, this this epic performance by this defense by just not being good enough. So, And there, uh, there is a part of me that wonders if maybe it took them a little longer to get to it than they wanted to, but there is a part of me if maybe Jason Moss kind of used that to his advantage for a bit, kind of trying to lull Hamilton into that traffic and saying, okay, they're going to play this game again, and all of a sudden he opened it up, right? Maybe, Maybe that was part of the game plan. Right, perhaps, but I still think that and you see it so often where your defense makes a big play and then you draw something up for your offense the very next play, you know, a, a deep ball, a uh, some sort of gadget play, get it into your hands of one of your playmakers and really start to take over the game momentum-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that's what they were doing because that play calling that first half was atrocious. Yeah. Bad. Like, Everything Jason Moss was brought in to do, none of it was working. And again, it comes down to, is this the OC or is this the parts he's been handed? I did one thing I did like even when and and, and maybe this was maybe Cody was still a little gun shy. He, he didn't play in the preseason, basically. And last year he had an offensive line that was really not good. And And you and I discussed how that can ruin a quarterback. And maybe that was part of it. Maybe he was rushing it. Maybe he was taking the safe thing. Like when he saw that O-line and had some more faith in them, he had the trust to stand in there for an extra half second and complete those deep balls. And again, by 
having your deep er routes go down the middle, that's even less time that, that Cody needs to complete those. So I thought the offensive line was better. Um, I, they certainly weren't as bad as last year. It seems no. like they were giving Cody that extra half second. I would have liked to see the running backs maybe do a, do something more because uh, you're not going to win a lot of games going nine for 14 with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> carries and yards. Like, And again, that comes down to the line, but still – I was worried, and by the second half, I was less worried. I, I'm still not willing to say that's a championship-caliber offense. I'm still very concerned, but for game one, they did some things that looked like they weren't going to be as terrible as last year. Yeah, it's all about how you finish, not how you start, right? So there is, I think offensively, there is, you know, reasons for optimism. There's reasons to believe that there is something to build on. And it's funny that we talk about play calling, because I think and I wrote it on the piece on 3downnation.com, I think sort of the you know the turning point of the game, the highlight of the game that kind yes. of put things in motion for the Riders was actually something that wasn't really a great play call or and was at least at the very least, you know, not well executed, which was the fourth down, the third down, sorry, gamble <laughs> at the start of the fourth quarter where Cody Fajardo essentially had to throw it away because it just didn't materialize the way they had hoped. And, but what that really did was that I think that galvanized the team. Because really yes. what happened was you, because, you know, sort of the old stories, you know, a lot of old school football guys like, oh, you punt there and trust your defense. No, you go for it there because you trust your defense. Exactly. And yes. in that, that spot, a million. Yes. and in that spot, you know, Hamilton hadn't done really anything on offense all game to that point. And so, yeah, why wouldn't you trust your defense and go for it in that situation? They did. It didn't work out in the moment, but then it did, I believe, eventually win them the game because that defense came out and just ruined Hamilton's day with, you know, the, the knockdown pass and then the fumble recovery. And then they went back and got Brett Lowther's fifth field goal of the game, which ended up being sort of the game winning score at that time. And from that point on everything to me, the writers had just kind of kept building and building and building while Hamilton kind of slowly slid away after both teams are kind of even through the first three quarters. Right. Second best kicker in the league, Brett, Brett Lowther. And, and I say this as a Brett Lowther guy, right? Um, you're absolutely right, Joel. I, you and I were texting before I left for said wedding. I was watching it, and the Riders in the first quarter had another situation, third and two from midfield, where as soon as Craig Dickinson made it clear he wasn't going for it, I think I just texted, and this was harsh, but I texted that I'm like, that's a coward move. You're at home. It's a season opener. You got to get yard and a half from midfield with that kind of defense. Like, why aren't you going for it? So – you're absolutely right. You know, that shows the confidence you have in the defense. And I like the play call. The execution was not there. But the play call was going for it there, third and two, and calling a deep ball. I love it. I just love that because, you know, of all the things, if you're lining up for a third and two, nobody's thinking deep shot here, especially with Cody Fajardo and the way that the Riders played last year. Unfortunately, there's a breakdown in protection and they got to Cody who smartly chucked it away, but I love that play call. I did. I thought that would have been a dagger moment. Go for it in third on two from midfield and, and go deep. It didn't work out, but, but like you said, that shows the confidence that Craig Dickinson has in that defensive unit as he should. And I'd love to see him do that a lot more time because I, you're right. It, it fired up the team and specifically fired up that defense knowing that, they had the ability to just go out and do their thing and continue doing their thing. 
Yeah, and they definitely, you know, and as we said, they did their thing and they, they basically, you know, the team carried sort of the momentum of that moment the rest of the game. I think right. the fans kind of picked up on the, the momentum of that moment as well, um, at least the ones who were there. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into this a bit. It's obviously been a conversation on, uh, you know, online on Twitter for the last couple of days. Twitter, of course, isn't real life. We all understand that, but... This is still, Chamber, as, yeah, as you know. this is still a thing that people are talking about. I think across the you know across the board across the CFL to a certain degree for various reasons. You know, positive BC getting thirty four plus thousand is you know certainly worthy of discussion as well. But before we get into everything about that, I just want to make one thing abundantly clear. Even though I do not pay for my ticket, and apparently that sometimes does not entitle me to certain opinions, um, <laughs> I will say that any talk about attendance in any sport. Is not a reflection of the fan base, but organizations and decisions made by them and their leagues, not the fans who, de- who do not who decide not to go. Let's make that perfectly clear. I, I, I agree with you, right? I, I never reason. judge a fan for whatever reason that they decide that they don't want to spend their money. That is their prerogative. It is up to the organizations and the leagues to make you want to spend your money to go. <laughs> well, that's that's why I hate when I hate when people throw the term blackout around. Mm-hmm. It's the dumbest thing you could ever do. Oh, in, in this day and age, absolutely. Like, if you blacked out games again, that would just be the absolute death blow to this league. It, it absolutely would be. I mean, you look at the growth, again, me, lacrosse guy, you look at even the growth that the casual fan has had with the NLL now that it's just on TSN. You can just randomly on a weekend watch an NLL game and see it and then go, you know, to, to the game in your home market or whatever, right? I. Everybody that calls for a blackout, like, come on, give your head a shake. Like, I get it. It is easier now than ever to sit on your couch, watch the game in 4K, in surround sound with just ridiculous quality, and take it in that way. Mm -hmm. What about being there? And that's cliche as fuck. I'm sorry. I know it is. But I'm a believer in that. I always have been. Like, I think it's cool to be there. And I'm with you. I will never, ever, ever point my nose down at somebody that can't go to the game because let's let's face it, guess mm-hmm. it's it's money. Yeah, it's money and time is why you can't go to the game. Whether you're busy with work, whether you're busy with your family, like if I had millions of dollars at every game, take my personal jet down, fly down there with the kids, sit you know fifty-five yard line, three rows up. If money and time weren't an issue, I'd be at every game, and I'm certain that everybody that listens to this podcast feels that way. If money and time weren't an issue, you'd probably be there. Mm-hmm. Support your team, have a great time, but it is, and that's why I'm not going to sit there, especially you know, in my position, never mind if I was you know, on a couch in Florida and ever judge anybody for not going before, like you said, before we get into this debate. Or, or, or talk about this discussion. Mm-hmm. If you don't go, you're, I, I don't care. That doesn't make you less of a fan. If you don't have a single piece of rider apparel, if you don't have a, a hat, a t-shirt, a dirty sock, the rider's logo on it, you're as big of a fan as, as anybody else. Hell, I'm a Bomber fan. and, and, and <laughs> you're, you're obviously a bigger rider fan than I am, even without your gear. So, yeah, I, I, I did. I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I, I did want to say that before we get into this. Because, again, nothing I'm saying here is judging anybody, but you're right. It's the organization's job to bring people in the door. 
Yeah. So um, on Twitter today, uh, the leader post, Rob Van Stone, uh, he talked with uh, writers, president, and CEO Craig Reynolds, who uh, divulged to him there was about 4,000 no-shows, most of which were rural. So clearly, uh, I think it's safe to say um, one major issue here is, of course, the price of gas, which is something that is completely out of control of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the province of Saskatchewan, and Justin Trudeau. So, <laughs> yes, thank you for <clears throat> saying the third part. <laughs> so naturally, you know, I you know completely understandable there, but all of a sudden, you know, it's doubled essentially the cost of filling your gas tank over a year ago. You know, that's a conversation, and that's something that has to be had. I mean, I have a Civic, and it now costs me eighty dollars to fill a freaking Civic. I mean, you know, for those people with those massive trucks, number one, sorry you made your decision, but two, okay, yeah, I understand and kind of feel you a little bit when it's now probably like $300 to fill your tank, and then you're going to just use it to drive to a football game. Yeah, I can understand that's maybe not the best use of your investment in that case. That's it, especially like like for it to be rural customers that, you know, truck in a city is a luxury. Mm -hmm. Rural, you probably need it for something, so... Uh, as you said, like that's 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 tough. Um, I will never claim to be a farming expert, uh, but I was having a conversation with somebody inside the riders organization myself this week, and they mentioned it's um, it's a busy time for for seeding, I believe. Yeah, I'm not trying to. But I mean, there's a game at this time every year, and I mean, it usually does a little better than that. At least at least all twenty eight thousand usually show up. Right, and and as you mentioned, the price of gas, the the realities. Yeah, of, like of the I world like I today. I would I would argue, you know, in the defense of a lot of fans, that I would say in the CFL at least there is no fan base that has affected more than of the you know sort of skyrocketing gas prices than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. When you oh, consider half the season ticket base is said to be from outside of Regina, you know, every other fan base, you know, t- season ticket base is probably in their city. And all those cities have at least decent to good public transit to get to the game without having to drive. Right, and and you're and you're bang on with that, Joel. So uh, it was interesting finding out that that was a large part of the no-show data. I mean, at the end of the day, you still had what New Mosaic holds thirty-three, correct? Yeah. yeah so there's so that means there's about twenty-four and change actually there. So you still had twenty-eight paid. You still had twenty-eight thousand people that put their dough on the line. And again, couldn't make it because of mm-hmm. unexpected circumstances, rising gas prices, all that kind of stuff. So I can I can understand that. But I think and the point I made this and can we call her a friend of the program if we've never spoken to her? I think Krista? We've, we've we've brought Krista up a few times. Like there's definitely right. we are definitely online friends of the show, at least. Exactly. So yeah. and Krista brought it up to a much more researched well point than I did that. For me, okay, I'm. I got the two boys. And this this comes. This is more of like a broader, bigger picture discussion about attendance. You know, in the grand scheme and sort of where the organization is going and where sort of the league is going in general. Right. Not so about the one specific game. No, exactly. Yeah, I will never sit down and say, "Oh, nobody came to this one certain game for X reason." You know, call call the crisis mode. But I think what you're starting to see build here. That's, that the riders aren't maybe doing as well as other teams is getting the family in the door, right? Um, so I just out of my own <laughs> curiosity, I saw the empty seats. You know, Max is six going on seven, Connor three going on four. They're starting to develop a love of things that their dad finds cool, and one of those is football, and I want to pass it on to them, right? 
So my mindset, and tell me if I'm wrong, is I want them to have my love of football. Do that, they need to have the best experience they can. And I think part of that is sitting in a good seat. I think in today's day and age of 4K TVs and couches and replays where, you know, Max can have his his blizzard and his chips and just watch the game you need to do you need to take him uh, you know someplace where it's going to be different it's going to be different he gets to see the speed the athleticism of these guys you know in the lower bowl and and maybe i have spoiled my children but the fact is i've been able to take them to blades games for cheap husky games for cheap um even the rush have family pricing and it was worrisome to me when for poops and giggles, I went on Ticketmaster and found that for me to take my two boys, and Lacey, of course, to a football game, it would be almost $500. The youth ticket prices were about 95% of the adult ticket prices for the section I was looking at. Now, again, guy like me, I drive a hybrid RAV4 and a hybrid Sienna. My gas to Regina and back is probably 100 bucks. Now, all of a sudden, you're probably looking at food, merchandise, the whole thing, plus lost time at work. Like, it's an easy $700 touch, right? And to me, you need to get the families there. Hmm. When Krista does a great job on her Twitter feed of breaking down that basically every single team in the CFL has a family or youth deal. You know, the one I, the one I will always compare it to is the Blue Bombers. Curiosity went on and found a near identical seat in Winnipeg with a new stadium, a team that's been very successful lately. My kids would be 22 bucks a ticket. My own ticket would be 100 bucks. I don't care. I'll pay for my own ticket, but that's the way it should be. And mm-hmm. I got, I, I, I tweet sparked text from somebody I know in the rider organization. And we had a really good conversation about it. I understand it's not as simple as, because let's face it, you can't just, if you slash ticket prices across the board right now, you're going to have a lot of angry people. Paid full price for those tickets. You know, maybe you don't make the same money. You've got math. You know, they've got all sorts of numbers and data to say whether something is viable to do or not. But it was great to hear this is on their radar. That... Us families that 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 want the riders to do something to make it more accessible to to take our kids to a game. That if I want to pay 150 bucks for a ticket, I can do that. But you know, I might have to leave halfway through because the boys want to go home, right? So mm-hmm. it's on the radar. There's far it's far more complex than just a massive ticket gouge. I understand that, but. I do think that the team needs to make it, and, I, and and if you can't do it in season, the team needs to make it a priority to get the families on board because it was, who was that? It was Peter Mills on Twitter said, oh, the energy is the best when it's just full of 18 and 30-year-olds in here. Okay, that's great. Does an 18 or 30-year-old want to go to that game? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it when they're 18. You're not. You're going to do it when they're 6, 7, when you take into a game, they remember that experience, and the team, I'm glad it's on their radar, but the team absolutely needs to do a better job of finding a way to get families and young fans in the building to build that continued generation 
Yeah, and, and I mean, certainly, we all understand it's a complicated situation. And it's not, you know, and I, I don't expect much to change in season at this point. I think that's entirely fair, but you're right. I mean, it's, yes, of course, any game filled with, you know, a bunch of 18 to 40-year-olds is going to probably be the biggest party in town. It's going to be a lot right. of fun, but, and this is sort of a team that, thing that teams need to do is they need to strike the balance of okay we need that good party atmosphere to kind of make it fun we need to uh, you know appease season ticket holders to make sure that they are still happy which i believe is something this organization has struggled with over the years if we're being frank yeah Um, i would agree whether we're talking about because of pricing not even because of pricing for other sections or anything like that i just don't know if they've done enough over the years to show season ticket holders how much they actually value them when you Switch consider, which, which you, yeah, consider like the stuff that, you know, sort of the frivolous stuff you get for being a season ticket holder. There isn't really a ton of it here from what I can gather. And then you also need to find the line of, you know, getting families in the building to build that future generation of fans, right. which is how you, you know, sort of keep the thing rolling. Because we've talked about this and I've told you the story before where I can relate to is, you know, I got into the habit as a kid going to Ottawa Senators games when I cared about hockey because I would go with my dad in the Coca-Cola family zone and we'd sit there for 20 bucks each. Right. right? Like, and they weren't the best seats in the house, but we lived in town. So yeah. And we would sit, it's kind of, you know, it was, there was a whole sec. There was like in the 300 level of, at the Scotia, what Canadian Terrace, I don't know what the hell it's called now, where the, the three sections are kind of on the, I believe the away end up on the top where the section for the longest time where once a month tickets would go on sale. And this was back before the internet even basically. So my yeah. dad would drive to the rink and would wait in line to buy tickets to these things. So we could go to a game every month because it was yep. cheap as hell to do. And why wouldn't you do it? And it got us in the door and yeah, I would have like a slice of pizza and a pop every game. And my dad, I think would have basically, you know, he would have something too. And then at least got people in the building and helped build that fan base, right. which is what you have to do. And I understand to a degree, I understand trying to appease the season ticket holders about that. But at the same time, if you have a cell phone contract, you're already used to this. This happens all the time. Sorry. Right. And you get a pretty good discount for buying season tickets. That's the point. Right, right. And and, and, and part of that, too, is I feel like I'm speaking as the out-of-town fan. Because... Yeah. No, and, like, I can I can relate now, like, as someone who lives in Regina, where there is... I mean, the the biggest pro sports team in town, I you know, it's my job to cover them, so I don't really right. go to games as a fan. So when I go to games as a fan, it's somewhere else. You know, most recently I was at some Jays games. He didn't really splurge too much on that one, but um, I'm going back again to Toronto in July, and, yeah, we're talking about, like, sitting lower, dole, lower bowl of the Skydome because, I mean, well, I mean, this is the only game for this trip. We might as well do it up right. rather than just sit up in the 500s, right? Right, and, and, and that's the thing. I know that, and, and, and looking at things, and I know the riders have their own family zone, and I know there's discounted tickets up there, but honestly, if I lived in Regina... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like which, if, if me, you, 50... yeah, like if me, you, and Plaster were going to a football game, we're sitting upper deck midfield. 100% we are. It's yeah. a great view. You can watch the whole whole field breakdown. We're football nerds. We'd love it. We'd have some beers. It'd be a great night. But, but if you're a seven-year-old boy, you don't really quite understand the game at that level yet you get more out of it sitting closer. Maybe you don't under, you because you don't fully understand really everything that's going on, but you get sort of, you get a better taste of different parts of things that you might actually like. Well, and that is exactly it. So I know they have the fan zone. And if I lived in Regina, like only half the season ticket base does, I would have no issue taking the kids to the cheap seats. I wouldn't. I would yeah, go. Yeah, because you would go three, four times, right? 
Right, exactly. And yeah. so be it if they got to leave halfway through because they're not feeling it. I mean, that's what happened my first rush game. I took Max and Connor, and Connor just wasn't having it by halftime. Cool. No problem. We left. That's part of it being being apparent, but and that was fine because full disclosure, I got comp those tickets because I was on the pregame show. But that was the time I'm like, okay, this is a time to expose them. And even before that, I had thought to myself of maybe doing, you know, taking them, you know, sitting in the nosebleeds and giving them that, that experience, right? Because, again, the Russian are local, I can do that. But if me, like so many other members of this crucial out-of-Regina-season ticket base mm. are looking at making an experience, because full, full, full disclosure, I go to one game a year, yeah. if that, right? So if I want to take my kids to the one game a year, give them the best experience I can so they get this love of football like I have, I want them to have the best experience. And the fact that I'm being priced out of that in Regina to me is – it sucks. That's, that's, that's all. And I know it's being worked on, and I'm glad to hear it's on the radar, and everything they're doing sounds positive. Yeah. But it just – it still sucks. At the end of the day, it sucks that – if I lived in Winnipeg or if I lived in Brandon, if I lived in Steinbach or Kenora, I could pay $44 for my two kids. So yeah. I'm glad it's on the radar. It's just, it sucks that it's taken this long to get on the radar. This to me seems like this more crucial time than ever coming out of, you know, a missed season and coming out of COVID and restrictions. And I'm finally at a point I feel safe taking my kids places it seems like a bit of a missed opportunity this season. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is not a new phenomenon, like even before, you know, sort of the COVID seasons, you, you, right. you, we, you, were talking you, about... we were talking about attendance, was, you know, the, maybe not to the same degree, but you could see sort of the dip. And I think this just kind of accelerated things like you did a lot of stuff. So that's the thing. And I mean, it's brought up Rob Vance. I believe you've talked about it too, you know, with your source within the team. I mean, and to be fair, of course, that the, the facility fee is a part of it, right? And that's, uh, a million percent it is, yeah. And that's, you know, that's certainly a, a bit of a burden on the team. And that, you know, adds a certain, you know, increase on the ticket prices that is somewhat out of their control, I would say. Um, right. But on the other hand, I would say to that, okay, fair. Yeah, that's an extra $12 or whatever it is per ticket, which is not cheap by any search of the imagination and of course the pst right. was added on to it as well which is also right. that is completely out of their control but that is also a thing that happened that's effectively raised all their prices six percent without even any input yeah. and so that one i get but the facility fee i'm like okay yeah that's that's you know that's a that's an expense and that's something that is you know kind of out of your control but at the same time it kind of was to a degree. Like, I, I don't know exactly how the negotiations went down in terms of building Mosaic Stadium. But, I mean, you could have put up more money to avoid the fee. You could have come up with some kind of different payment structure instead of putting fees on tickets. Right? Right. But And, and that goes back to it. I understand that's part of it. And I yeah. get it. So that basically what it means is the cost, the, the dead cost to get people indoors higher here in Saskatchewan. So... Maybe they can't offer a $22 ticket like Winnipeg can. Maybe they don't have the space that it, 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 they don't have some space like Commonwealth does or BC Place does or anything like that. They don't have the space to to, to have like a, these giant cheapy sections, right? But and I'm not saying that, yeah, hey, I should only pay, you know, $2 and some pocket lint to get in the building, but even if say my tickets were a hundred 
and the kids were 40, that's an easier pill to swallow because you're right. I understand. I'm sure some people don't, and that's fair, and some will have their own opinions on it. But I understand that because of the way the structure of New Mosaic Stadium is set up, that you probably just won't see a $20 lower bowl ticket because of the cost of it all, right? Yeah. But and, yeah, you need I, to see something. Yeah, and I, I think sort of the, the other end of the stick on that is, okay, tickets are what they are, but on the same time, concessions are what they are, and they've gone up. So, you know, if you, you want families in the door, you got to offer them value somewhere. So is it on tickets or is it on stuff once you get in the building? So if you can't do it on tickets because the facility fee and the PST and a bunch of other things, you don't feel you can give as good of a discount there as you would like to, then maybe concessions need to have more of an expanded sort of kids menu where you can get a bunch of stuff for like two bucks or something. Well, and that's it. Like it's a something that the, the Blades do. The Blades and I believe the Pats do it too, that they have like a Toonie hot dog night. Yeah, they have Wiener Wednesday, yeah. Oh, it's a great name, but like... I even think that somebody responded to me on social media and then didn't quite get my sense of humor um, about the fact that, yeah, well, the normal price for everything is $36, but I pay 34 for the pack. Like two bucks ain't going to do it. Like, like you said, it's, it's, if I'm, if I pay for a cheap ticket, I got no problem paying full pop at the concessions. Vice versa. If I know I can pay full price for a ticket, but feed my kids for a couple bucks like a toonie hot dog a pop and a bag of chips yeah like we're not we're not talking about putting like you know the good stuff you know on the kids menu but like stuff that's already kind of high margin you put like the small hot dogs you put a small pop you put maybe some popcorn some cotton candy all that stuff that essentially costs nothing to produce could easily go on to something like that and we'll keep the kids happy for pretty cheap well and that and and there there it is right like it comes down to like when I take my kids to games at Sastel Center, you know, it's full. I like I'm paying next to nothing to get them in the door, and I get it. It's a lower cost of entry for a Blades game. Yeah. But I'm wearing it when I go to the concession, and that's fine. I have to take that into account, right? So, it, and I get it. And again, with that being said, I know the riders can't just blanket make that call because somebody's got to pay for that, whether it's the vendors, whether it's the riders. Somebody has to pay for that at the end of the day. It's just right now you're you're kind of damned in both ways. You know, you're paying full pop a concession. You're paying 95% of an adult ticket price. It's just you're not really winning anywhere, and I think that's going to prohibit families. And even if one of the two you got, I, I, I don't think anybody in Saskatchewan would argue. I know lots of teams, and again, Krista's thread pointed out lots of teams do both. I don't know if we can do that here in Saskatchewan, and I would support just one of the two. But again, I'll I'll, I'll pay for an expensive ticket if I know I can feed the kids for ten bucks. Yeah, and I, and I think that's you know that's one you know that's an easier way to do it to keep the season ticket base happier. If you're if they know that the people sitting beside them that brought their family, okay, maybe the kids pay a little less than me, but you know. Overall, it's not really that big of a price change compared to what I paid, at least. So that keeps them happy if it's like, okay, now everything else in the building is kind of cheaper. It's sort of like the uh, Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. That stadium was built with public money. And part of the deal with the public money was, okay, tickets will be what they will be, but everything inside the building is going to be dirt cheap. Could you imagine, though? Like I'd be like the Kobayashi of unnamed beer place Mm -hmm. if there was $2 hot dogs. Yeah, I would just be there dummying hot dogs. How many think? Uh, well, it's even better at Jay's games on Tuesdays. I believe they're a buck for a hot dog. 
Oh, oh, I. What is it? It's ten thirty. I might make a hot dog right now. I'm not gonna lie. Would it be a New York fries hot dog? <laughs> Wouldn't have any lettuce on it. I'll tell you what. I got a golf tournament tomorrow. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.